sinners now and I'd like to um, relate the epistle and the gospel today in um, a little bit of a in a way which uh, is not entirely obvious at first um, and uh, there's a couple of mysteries uh, here that uh, need to be uh, flushed out it seems to me so in the epistle it seems rather obvious for St. Peter to say I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims to refrain yourselves from carnal desires which war against the soul. Refrain yourselves from carnal desires which war against the soul. And he says, as strangers and pilgrims. As strangers and pilgrims. But what does he mean, as strangers and pilgrims? Well, um, that is not a statement that all the Christians at that time happened to be living in a country that, in which they were not born. Obviously, we're talking about in a spiritual sense. We are all strangers living in a strange land. We are all pilgrims on a pilgrimage, not home, but hoping to get home. And uh, St. Peter is reminding us that on this journey, it is entirely possible for us to descend into the temptations that we have in a carnal sense, our carnal desires, which indeed war against the health and the life of our soul. Now, it seems uh, entirely fitting that we ask ourselves, well, of all the carnal desires that we have, which is the one that is most dangerous? Which is the one that is warring against our soul most stringently? That would be the one to uh, be wary of the most. Which is the most dangerous of all the carnal desires? And this, the answer to this may not be entirely obvious. That carnal desire which is most dangerous is the carnal desire of pride. Pride. Sometimes we don't think pride is a carnal desire. But pride is the foundation of every temptation. And there are no exceptions. By pride, I want my way. And pride can easily, therefore, lead me away from the way of God. By pride, I want money. I want power for myself. I want prestige for myself. I want pleasure for myself. I think I deserve those things. That's what pride says. I was good yesterday. Let me just be bad today. I think I deserve it. That's what pride says. I was humble and submissive to God's will yesterday. I don't have to be today. I can live on, live on, you know, live on the, uh, uh, the, 
the investment I made yesterday, well, those are the workings of pride, and pride is always wrong. Remember the devil never once committed adultery, never once stole anything. The devil only ever committed one sin, and that was the sin of pride. To flesh this out later on, St. Peter says, Be ye subject, therefore, to every human creature, not for their sake, for God's sake. For God's sake. Even to the point of saying to servants, to slaves, be subject to your masters. Not just to the good masters, also to the bad masters. Be subject to them, for God's sake, for God's sake. Work against pride, which wars against the soul. So St. Peter's lesson, therefore, if we just draw the little conclusion that he doesn't draw in this pericope, is, is easily the case that he says, look, by pride we do not enter heaven, and by, by in humility I can be a slave and go to heaven, and by pride I can be the governor of the whole country and go to hell. What good did my pride do? How bad was it to be a slave? as strangers and pilgrims, regardless of whether we end up being a president or a slave, as strangers and pilgrims, refrain yourselves from carnal desires which war against the soul. Now, let's jump to the gospel and then relate the two together. Our gospel, of course, says repeatedly, In a little while, you shall not see me, and again in a little while, you shall see me. Obviously, this uh, passage comes from the 16th chapter of St. John. This is part of our Lord's last um, presentation, we might say, to the apostles at the Last Supper. Our Lord is giving a long discourse at the Last Supper. He says, in a little while you shall not see me. Within 24 hours of him saying these words, every drop of his blood would be spread over all of Jerusalem and Mount Calvary, and his lifeless body would be enclosed in the sepulcher and the stone rolled against the hole. Within 24 hours, In a little while you shall not see me. And again in a little while you shall see me. On the third day he rises again. And indeed he appeared to the apostles uh, on that day. All except uh, Thomas who was absent. But he says something a little mysterious. He says in a little while you shall see me because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. Now that's a little bit of a strange addendum to what he's saying because on the day of resurrection there is no indication that he went to the Father. 
And if he goes to the Father, how is it that we can see him? Or if we can see him, how is it that he is with the Father? The two things are not obvious in how they go together. Now, we could explain this in several senses theologically, but this is the one that I'd like to highlight today. And that is this. Our Lord is not only talking to the apostles at the Last Supper. He is talking to us. He is talking to us. And again, in a little while, you shall see me because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. Jesus is with his Father. Is it possible for us to see him with his Father? And the answer to that is yes. Four. When a priest during Mass holds up a little white host and says, Ecce agnus Dei, behold the Lamb of God. And we look upon that host, we do indeed see the Lamb of God, who, whose blood was spread and poured out on Mount Calvary, and whose dead, lifeless body was put into the sepulchre, but who, in this moment, is reigning gloriously with his Father in heaven, in absolute glory, forever presenting us, uh, presenting us to his Father uh, as, um, as uh, his adopted uh, sons, as his adopted uh, brothers, and presenting to the Father his perfect victimhood uh, by means of his perfect priesthood. And again in a little while, you shall see me because I go to the Father. We have no record of the apostles offering Holy Mass until the day of Pentecost. We have no record of it, and therefore we assume that it did not happen. When the day of Pentecost happened, however, we are told that they, uh, they, that they practiced the breaking of the bread, which is the code word for renewing the Last Supper. On the day of Pentecost, they begin to offer Holy Mass. On the day of Pentecost, they are making present in the church, in the world, the Lamb of God. By consecrating the bread and the wine into the body and the blood of Jesus. Making him visible again because he is with the Father in his glory, resurrected glory. Since Jesus is with the Father, now he is able to be present in his glorified, resurrected flesh under the species of bread and wine. Now, was it technically possible that the apostles may have, if they wanted to, offer Holy Mass, you know, sometime in between the day of the resurrection and the ascension, or between the ascension and the Pentecost, or even uh, during the Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday, 
The answer is yes, but we uh, don't uh, descend into those theological weeds. We have no record that they did so. Because in Holy Mass, the Eucharist is essentially the resurrected flesh of Jesus. And that resurrected flesh of Jesus is made available to everyone in the whole world until the end of time. Jesus is visible. And again in a little while, you shall see me. And when we look upon the host, we are looking upon Christ. Not in his natural flesh, in his resurrected flesh. Because he is with the Father. As the priest and as the victim. Now, why is he making himself visible to all men and for all time? If it is not that we are strangers and pilgrims. We are strangers and we are pilgrims. And we are in desperate need of his assistance. That we are so weak that we are so liable to falling to our carnal desires that we need to be fed, we need to be nourished, we need to be encouraged, we need to be guided. And it's so easy for us to fall off the path of our pilgrimage. So when St. Peter says to us, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, to refrain yourselves from carnal desires which war against the soul, we need to, in humility, recognize that we cannot complete this pilgrimage without the nourishment that comes from Christ. Our nourishment must come from Christ in that little, humble host. And we look upon him and we know that it is the glorified, resurrected flesh of Christ that has been made available to us as the food of our journey. And we, putting aside our desires for prideful, prideful self-reliance, in humility we recognize we are in desperate need for what comfort he can give us in this time. And that for the health of our soul. For the health of our soul, we absolutely need to look upon the resurrected Christ. And that happens so easily at Holy Mass when the priest says, Ecce agnus dei. Ecce quitolit peccata mundi. Behold the Lamb of God, behold he who takes away the sins of the world. God love you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.